What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Arnold Telegaarda. And I'm missing no days off, Fred Rosser. And today it's been a day full of wrestlers. You know, uh, I had Titus, uh, Diana Perrazzo, uh, Kalisto, a plethora of my other friends doing a virtual school type back to school deal. And to get them all together was just like, it was like a, a summer school project. So it's been a day full of wrestlers, full of my close friends. Uh, this particular episode, another episode of like sitting under the learning tree, literally, because uh, he's probably got one of the most brilliant minds in the business. Um, he's got his own wrestling school, Creator Pro Wrestling Academy, which he should. Anyone in the Northeast area uh, that's looking to get into the wrestling business, definitely uh, check out none other than our guest, Brian Myers, formerly known as Kurt Hawkins. I always say, don't die with a story and you tell it, bro. So thank you for <laughs> being on, the, on my podcast to share your story. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for saying all those things. And I'll try to uh, surpass whatever Kalisto did for you. I'm sure you guys probably heard <laughs> brain cells talking to him. <laughs> So I'll try to rejuvenate them for you the next time. Don't talk about my friend Kalisto. Don't Holy talk about smokes. my friend. Yeah. yeah. No, but you're right. You're right. He was a handful, but thank God he, like, uh, came through for me. But he, you're spot on, bro. Don't start. Yeah. He, he must have lived under power lines as a kid or something. Oh. First off, congrats, man, on being a two-time dad this year. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Was was the delivery room a little weird this time with the whole COVID situation? It wasn't like uh, March, April, where like it was really bad in New York. We had a June baby, so uh, it was a little more relaxed. Um, still a lot of precautions and a little, you know, obviously very different than the first child. But uh, uh, really, the main concern was that I was going to be allowed to be there. And at one point in New York, you weren't even allowed to be there. So oh, we were just grateful God. to be be past that point, you know, so we could both be in the delivery room. So yeah. that's all that really mattered to us, you know, healthy, yeah. healthy baby, my wife and I, that's all we needed. Absolutely, man. And now you got two girls. Did you, did yeah. you ever wanted, did you ever wanted a boy? Were you hoping the second one was going to be a boy? I literally only ever wanted a boy my entire life. I wanted to be a dad of a boy. Yeah. And my wife and I didn't, um, we didn't find out the sex. It was something that she thought would be uh, fun to do. Something I also just never thought about. I said, okay. So with the first child, we wrote it out, you know, the full, you know, term. And then, boom, this baby girl comes out in the delivery room. And I literally, you know, Fred, you know, the secret style <laughs> made up in my mind that it can only be a boy. So then when it was a girl, I was like, what? I was, I mean, I wish it was some kind of documentation of my face and how I like sold it because I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But then I guess, the, you know, the, the blessing in disguise is that I've loved having uh, my daughter so much that I don't even... I, I don't even care about, you know, having a, a boy anymore. It's, it's literally something that's it's left my my mind and my heart, I guess, a little bit. And then when we found out we're, the next uh, child was going to be a girl, I, I jumped up and did like the Michael Jordan uh, fist pump in the living room with my wife because I was just so excited. I love being a girl dad so much. How are you holding up with this whole, you know, 2020 quarantine and everything? I know you're staying busy with the podcast. You guys just released a spinoff to that, the Figure Wrestling Federation. Congrats. Uh, but how are you holding up, man? Uh, I'm I'm a very uh, positive person. You know, I'm not, I'm not really someone that just sits back and kind of, well, you know, what was me kind of mentality. So obviously I don't think 2020 has gone uh, as a lot of people have hoped and planned for, you know, but I'm still trying to pull the positives out of it and, uh, you know, keep living my life, you know, it's, it's as much as I can. Like, surprisingly, like, uh, I just did a week of TV for Impact that's going to, that we did eight episodes and a and a special that's going to take us all the way to late October to the pay-per-view. So it's all filmed. And then in those weeks, I have a booking at least one every weekend. So whether it's a signing or a show. So stuff's happening out there for pro wrestling. And, you know, and then, like you said, on top of that, I have the podcast and being a family man and, and my school. So I'm there's it's like the world came crashing down and I was still very busy. So it's kind of crazy. No, that's good. How many yeah. episodes do you guys shoot in one day for Impact? It's different depending on the schedule. Uh, the first shoot I did was, uh, man, what was it? It was like, two, we did was it two days, six episodes, and then this was four days, eight episodes, plus a, wow. basically a pay-per-view that's going to be exclusive to the app, the Impact Plus app, where you have to, you know, subscribe to get eyes on that. So pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. 
Hawkins, you know, um, our journey started a long time ago and I asked uh, uh, Ryder, you'll always be Hawkins to me. I mean, I just call people, some people by their uh, real some name. Of my, some of my best you friends know, in the whole world call me Hawkins. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, I, don't, uh, do you I, don't, I don't take I take zero offense to it. When people call me Kurt, then I'm like, ooh, they're probably not really my friend. Nobody calls me Kurt. <laughs> But I, but, but I asked Zach when we had him on our show, uh, he was our 52nd episode. So it was like a milestone for me because like doing the podcast is therapeutic for me. I enjoy talking about wrestling. You yep. know me in the locker room, I'm very quiet, but to be able to be out of the WWE and be able to just talk about my experiences with my friends, uh, it means the world to me. Do you remember the first time we met um, at any time in our career? I... If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the – well, I knew who you were because I would see you on shows because you, you started a little bit before me and you had already kind of half made a name for yourself like in, in the Northeast, Bone Crusher. And I uh, – but I think we didn't meet until Madison Square Garden. Yes, yes. As extras, yeah, the one – and I know you were an extra a lot and you were like Cool Hand Luke and me and Broski. It was the one and only time we were ever extras and we – it was Madison Square Garden – it was the Super Show. It was the Raw and SmackDown rosters there. I mean, like Eddie Guerrero, Hulk Hogan, like literally everyone you could think of in WWE in 2005 is at this show. And like, we are just wide-eyed. Like, I think we're 19, literally like scared to death. And then I remember at one point we were in catering. You were like, stick with me. I've done this a million times. Like, just follow my lead. And we're like, oh, okay. You know, we're just so nervous. And so that was, I think it's the first time we met Matt. Yeah, well, I mean, don't I mean, don't come across like I was trying to big league you guys. No, 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 you're taking care of us. Yeah, I was there. Like I was there when there were times I wasn't supposed to be there. Doctor Tom Pritchard, who we all love, would mm -hmm. always say anytime WWE was in the Northeast back in 2004 and five, just show up, and if you work, you get paid. If you don't, you're not going to demand for pay. So I would yeah. always that I would always be there, and uh, just I would just look out for the people that always. You know, uh, had you know had that it factor. You know, so um, like, how was your experiences getting into Deep South? Like, when you think of Deep South, what's like one word that describes it? Mayhem, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I keep anyone who would ask me about Deep South and like the interviews I've been doing and stuff. I just keep saying, Dark Side of the Ring, Deep South Wrestling would be a can't miss episode for like so many reasons. If you get the voice to really open up and tell like the funny ass stories that went down, the the lunacy that went down, like just all under the WWE's umbrella, which is which makes it even more insane. Like, you know, it didn't feel like we were in WWE. It was like this like outlaw renegade promotion, just did whatever the hell it wanted, you know? Um, but 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 you stuck with it, you know what I mean? Like I would have probably definitely stuck with it because we love this business so much. I, like I said, we were just so wide-eyed, so green if Bill DeMott told us to, you know, to jump, we did it. Like it, it yeah. was, it was what it was. And I look back on it now as like a seasoned veteran. It was just, so, it was kind of ridiculous because it was like every day was your tryout. Like it wasn't like you, you got to try out and then you get signed and then you're there. It was a tryout atmosphere every day, doing pushups, running, sprints, insane amount of bumps per day that like nobody in their wrestling career should ever take. Cause it's just not, good for someone's body and health and just 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 wild stuff and then on the flip side like i like i said was saying we worked hard as hell and then we partied hard as hell it was literally like there was never they would never book shows so it would you do the tvs thursday night you train you come in friday hungover as hell and you know get that friday practice and then like when you got let go of that friday practice it was literally like high school like when friday when you leave you kick open the doors like it's the weekend and we all just like and then we became such good friends because there was so much camaraderie and we just like partied and hung out and, and we, we were in the trenches together doing all this crazy shit. So it, it was this hell of an experience. I look back on it like, you know, the older I get, the more and more I just kind of like shake my head thinking about like, how did I do that? Like, like sometimes we'd be squatting to like infinity and like Zach would literally recite out loud the WWE championship history because he was so just like, Cause you just like have to like black out like it's so hard it's like, <laughs> but he'd be like rock beat mankind mankind beat rock and he's like squatting and he's going through a whole lineage just to like take his mind somewhere else because it was so hard yeah that's just the way it was 
Um, you know, with that being said, uh, you, you got signed to WWE really early in, in your career. You were, I think you guys were 20, you and um, you, Matt, got signed together. And just within the first few years, you guys accomplished a lot, you know, winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, um, main eventing with Edge at WrestleMania. How did you handle that pressure? Was that something that you thrived on or did you, did you feel like it was too much? It was weird. Like now in my career, I feel pressure. But back then, I think I was just so uh, new and scared. And it was also like, you know, like, like you said, there was a lot fast and early on so you almost think like oh it's never gonna end this is just my first mania and not you know like you don't yeah you don't realize how blessed you are i mean we we didn't take it for granted we were just we were more concerned about like messing up and we were just working hard doing what we were told instead of like you know realizing that whoa dude we're at this major pay-per-view and it's the world title and you know i i was just honestly so blessed to learn like edge adam copeland he agreed to that storyline with literally not even knowing who Matt and I were. So it was kind of crazy. So we owe so much to him. And then, so for him to say yes to two stranger kids that he has no clue who they are in the first place is nuts. And then we had the privilege of just like learning from him. And he, he's literally in 2008, he's the best wrestler in the whole world. You know, a five tool player that can do like anything, you know, have epic matches. He's the champion. He's incredible uh, performer, incredible on the microphone. Just he can do it all. And we're, we're literally watching him do it you know, four days a week on the road, like, like, it's just a world-class education in pro wrestling that, that I'll just be forever grateful for, you know, really shaped my whole career. Yeah, and I know you've been a lifelong fan, just as I have. I'm 33 now. I started watching wrestling when I was, like, four, never grew out of it. I, I know that's, like, the case for you. So when you were in the locker room, like, did you take a moment to step back and you're like, wow, like Undertaker passed by? Or did you just, like, did you have to keep it all in and you couldn't mark out? Uh, back then, and I think Fred could attest to this, unfortunately, back then there was more of like a bully mentality and you really couldn't show your true colors. <laughs> you really couldn't, you know, like, we're not going to walk in and tell Bob Holly that we just bought his action figure at Toys R Us. <laughs> like, oh, that's God. just not going to fly. It's just it's just the way it was you know it was like an older generation I, t I talked about this with Tommy Dreamer out loud I was like guys your age your generation which was a lot of the age of the guys that were on the roster when we started so if they were a wrestling fan as a kid like you and I were right to to be more than just a wrestling fan and watching a tv what was there for them maybe just the, the magazines black and white wrestling magazines to kind of romanticize about this thing they're into guys our age grew up with video games and toys and bed sheets and stuffed animals, like literally anything to like just indulge into this this product and love it to death you know so it's just different so like like Tommy Dreamer is no more or less a mark than me it's just we grew up with a different you know acceptance of wrestling you know so like you get that rock locker room these dudes are a lot more hardened than I was or I was like it's not okay to like just you know, like, <laughs> say you love this to death because I do you know just but we we quickly realized that you know we're not gonna you know you can only kind of show your true colors to, to your real friends and yeah everyone else is, it just was business so we, we we kept the marking out now we actually mark out on our podcast like just telling old stories and stuff you know about oh my god you know we did this you know yeah Whatever. You guys had a successful, you know, uh, tag team run as the major brothers. Um, during that time, did you ever consider down the line that it was going to be the major brothers forever? Or did you, did you know down the line, eventually you guys are going to have solo careers? I, I don't know about forever. Obviously, um, Matt and I both wanted to be singles wrestlers from, from Jump Street. And we were just thrown together at wrestling school by Mikey Whipwreck, which was a blessing. But I, I, when, when you don't know anything, you're like, oh, well, you know, I want to be the world champion. But obviously we were better together at, for a long time until we learned more. And uh, so I had always thought about being a singles wrestler, but when we were like going as a tag, I wasn't thinking about it then. Like, you know, when, when is this going to end? I don't know. Early in my career, you're just, I guess you're just naive. I don't know. I wasn't thinking about, Oh, this is going to end soon. I probably should have, you know, or <laughs> saved more of my money that I had back then. Things like that. You just, I just wasn't like thinking like that. I was living in the moment, you know, I guess. So that, that's probably my bad, but it is what it is. One of the things that I like about you, Brian, is how your is your wrestling gear. You know, you have a lot of shout outs in your wrestling gear. Like you mentioned back when um, WWE days, your H for Hawkins was inspired by Triple H. And yeah. um, currently right now, your tights has that little edge design. Yeah. So like referring back to me as a kid, I used to 
I used to wear my mom's spandex and I used to get a Sharpie and I would like draw like little broken hearts because I wanted to be Shawn Michaels really bad. <laughs> so did you ever, uh, like two questions, did you ever do that as a kid, like making your own gear, pretending oh, to be another wrestler? <laughs> and do you have an, um, a wrestling gear design in mind for the future that gives a shout out to the old Yeah, list? sure. So all kinds of outfits when I was a kid and I would like wrestle like the, the wrestling buddies in my living room to, to death. Um, a big thing that my mom still talks about this day and I still have it. It was like my godmother bought really looking back on it. It's like a satin, like sexy purple robe from like a lingerie store. But they <laughs> bought it for me when I was like five or six to wear. Cause I thought I was cool and I was a wrestler and I would wear like this purple robe and then I would just like, I would like take it off and challenge my wrestling buddies and wrestle them on the floor and stuff. So that I still have it to this day. And I got to the point where I remember my friends would come over and we'd wrestle like in the living room and like whoever won got to be the, the guy to wear the robe and stuff. And it was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, so tons of, uh, you know, reimagining as a kid. And uh, yeah, I, um, I switched to the, the long tights, the Bret Hart styles tights, and there's so much real estate there. One the thing I have no problem admitting this, I feel like, in wearing that outfit, I could wrestle till I'm 70 <laughs> because it hides my That's physique so much. You know what I mean? I no. feel like I'll just become like timeless almost. So there's that. Never really been, you know, a body guy like Fred, you know? So uh, there's that aspect of it, which I love. And then also there's so much real estate, that the options for creativity, like you said, like to like do original designs, do shout outs, so, you know, wrestlers of the past that I admire and stuff. So, and I have a really cool one that I can't disclose exactly. I can give a hint, but for Bound for Glory, for Impact, I have a, a TNA legend inspired version that I'm very excited about that's Ooh. being made right now. I think, I think the world got robbed from seeing you wearing your Juice and Thunder Liger at WrestleMania, man. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, shout out to TTD. He does all our designing and he, he's like basically the, the backbone of the major wrestling figure podcast. He designs all the pins and all the cool t-shirts and everything that makes us seem cooler than we really are. Um, that design, he, I came up with that because Liger was supposed to go into the hall and I just thought it was so cool. And he knocked it out of the park and it was so cool. And then obviously things didn't turn out that way, but really all I have to do is get it remade where, you know, that H is an M and I could wear it, at, you know, at some point down the line for sure. It's definitely in my back pocket. Uh, the one thing about Hawkins is there's so many ways that we can go with this conversation, but uh, your wrestling school, how long has it been open? And like off the top of my head, do you see any prospects that like uh, we should maybe keep an eye on? Again, we go all over the place with the pockets, no format, you know, and like, you know, concussions, man. So you know how it is. <laughs> uh yeah so it's, uh pat buck and i co-opened the school in march 2014 so it's been six and a half years um we've already we produced mjf you see every week on AEW from scratch we produced chris statlander who was on it uh every week till she unfortunately uh she tore acl a couple weeks back so uh, she'll be out for a little bit um and then we have a ton of prospects like people i'm very proud of i think uh the next big like homegrown star that we have is going to be this guy named Max Caster. Um, super talented. He, he can rap and freestyle. And oh, yes, yes, yes. I've seen him. Yes. He's incredible. He, he's, a, he's like a ring general, like very, almost like too confident. He's very good, you know, he's in which I think is, you know, uh, a real feather in one's cap for pro wrestling. I think confidence is key and he's got that. So uh, I think he's going to be the next one to really break out. We have, we have a ton of guys, ton of students. We were pre-COVID, we were like rocking on all cylinders, like as many mm. people we had there. Plus, we have a lot of like what I call, you know, castaways, people from other schools that come to our school and they're like, <laughs> oh, this place, this is a this is a positive, awesome learning place. And then, you know, they get polished up by, you know, me and Pat and continue their career as well, you know? Yeah. I think it's really cool that, you know, naturally as a gifted wrestler that you you're able to pass it on uh, as a good teacher because not a lot of people that can do can actually teach. And I think um, WWE can see that in you because there was a time that I think it was The Rock, right? That requested to have you to get him to get him back in ring shape. So how was that experience, man? Uh, it was like unbelievable. It was, it was really mm -hmm. the story I heard because obviously I had nothing to do with the decision, but it was Triple H suggested me and Joe Hennig to be the two good hands and we were just like on call it was crazy like wherever he was Hell filming yeah. movies 
we'd be on call to go. Like I know for sure one time I got a call like maybe like, you know, nine at night and they're like, you have a 6 a.m. flight to Miami and a 6 p.m. home. And like we just went and wow. like just they build a ring in some warehouse and we just waited for him and whatever he wanted to do, he wanted to do. Some days we went at it and we'd wrestle. Some days we just took cool photos for his Instagram and stuff. Or sometimes, <laughs> he, sometimes he's so busy, he like had to cancel. I mean, Joe would just go home. Like it was, we were literally like his on call, like bumping buddies. And I really, I guess the best part of the whole thing about it is that like he is the man, the coolest, like you, you're around him and you go, okay. I, I completely understand why this guy's like a megastar because the way he is and the way he carries himself and the way he thinks. So yeah. it was just a very cool experience, man. It's just one of those things I never thought I would have done, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. And you actually also got to play the agent role too in WWE for a little bit. Did you did you enjoy that? I loved it, yeah. Uh, about two years ago, I got hernia and I would I kind of just thought I'd be off. It was like, it was September, so I was like, ooh, football's starting. This is great. You know, you know I had been on the road. <laughs> I've been on the road with WWE like over two years straight by that point, you know, like with the full real deal schedule. So I was like, this is a, once I realized it was just hernia, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but it was just that. And, you know, it's a two month kind of recovery time thing. I was like, okay, no big deal. And then they called me back and said that Vince said he saw my name on the injury report and he'd like me to start learning that side of the business. So it wasn't really an opportunity I felt like I could turn down or, or would be smart to turn down. Um, and it was cool. Uh, it's definitely something that I would love to do one day. But I think being an in-ring competitor is such a privilege. And, you know, one day my body's going to tell me that I can't anymore. You know, but if I'm in my prime and I feel great wow. and I'm still young, there's no way I'm not doing that. You know, just because I can be a producer, there's no way, you know. And I, and I, I did the two months. The day I got cleared, I went to Vince and said, hey, this has been an unbelievable experience. Like, I appreciate it. You know, I'm flattered. I learned a lot, you know, but I could do this. For you when I'm 60, not when I'm 33. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I there said, please, let, please let me back to, to, to you know, yeah. to be doing what I do. But it was great. I, I, I just, I love wrestling, man. I love all, all you know, odds and ends of pro wrestling. You know, I mean, all sides of it. You know, I love. I, I even with my school, like I have to like book shows because you know I can't just be like, hey, promoter, book 12 of my students. And it's just not realistic. So I had to start running shows. So I booked those shows. I'm, I produce on those shows. I'm kind of writing those shows and. You know, I'm active wrestler on those shows. So I'm, I'm a coach. Like, you know, I got my hand in, like, every aspect of it, you know, so. And you're but, also in turmoil, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of, because I feel like I've done that, I have, because of the real booking with Creative Pro, I feel like I have a leg up on Broski in that because I'm kind of, you know, being more, or, or maybe a leg down because I'm being more realistic and he's doing, like, fantasy things, like, that probably <laughs> wouldn't happen, but. I watched that video. That was intense, man. I was like, oh, is he going to get Wow. Freddie, you might have to watch that when you get some free time. <laughs> Wild. Why? Why? What do you mean? So Matt and Brian, they they started their own figure wrestling federation where yeah. it's like like a legit wrestling show, but it's it's all action figures. And just like right. Raw and SmackDown, they have their own two shows, and they had a video where they did the drafting, which wrestler is gonna go to which show, and it's all um, bone crunching and um, some WCW, WCW figures. So yeah. we, we basically did a bonus podcast for our Patreons, like where we fantasy drafted some wrestling figures and then it just, and then we people loved it. And then escalated we fantasy booked the show if they're on it, and it just got so out of hand that now we have this spin-off show. But to like to start the spin-off show, we had this draft and we put it on YouTube and on our feed. And it, if you like laughing at Matt Cardona, this is a <laughs> It gets very intense. Going going back to wrestling, right when everyone got released, unfortunately in April, um, and everyone's wondering, oh, where like where are they gonna go? Was Impact always your first choice? Um, I don't know. I was so shocked. I mean, I just signed a five year contract, and like I said, I'd been a producer. I like I was like all in on being you know with WWE for a long time. So what? Yes, it wasn't even in my radar. Obviously. I was aware of Impact. Uh, I was watching Impact. I was aware of AEW. I was watching every week because I just love wrestling and I love like knowing what's going on. And I was very happy that they were doing better and you know like thriving and there was options for the boys. And I mean, you know, getting people these contracts and stuff basically because they exist, you know. Yeah. So I was very uh, grateful of it. But I hadn't. It was so far from my mind that I'd be fired that I hadn't even hadn't even thought of it. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
But um, obviously you were successful in your first run and back in the TNA days, former TNA tag team champion. Um, how, do you, how do you want this run to be different than your first run? Well, I also, like I've said in a couple of interviews and I have no problem admitting it, like I eventually like, you know, I sold out. Like I got offered an astronomical amount of money, not, not knowing what, like, or, or knowing, all I knew is I was gonna pay this money. I did not know, like, you know, you can't control your, your push in WWE or your situation. It's almost, you're almost like powerless. And I was basically going and doing main event matches every week, leaving and doing my podcast with Broski. And that was like, that was the give and take, you know, like maybe work became just work. And my podcast is like where I had fun and, you know, could let loose and be creative and things like that. So at least I had that outlet. I wasn't just like a shell of a man, you know, uh, but I totally understood like, what where and what my position was at WWE and it is what it is in being let go now I'm kind of like well this is almost like a uh the silver lining of it all to me is that I can really have a chance to solidify my career like in the ring and now I can you know go to these places have awesome matches or even just the few TVs I've done with Impact I've already done things that I'm so proud of and a side of me that like people have been fans of mine for years probably could never get to see because I'm just doing my job at WWE that didn't really entail being a big star it was making other stars look better and that was what my purpose was and that's okay I understood that and I was good at it but I'm so passionate about wrestling and I I feel I'm very good at it and I can show people that you know so that, that's why I'm like okay maybe I'm not making this insane amount of money but sometimes it's like who cares especially if you love something you're passionate about it you know like I'm, I'm gonna still live my life and be very happy and and now at least i'm gonna have this chance to when i'm done wrestling like look back and say okay i had, I had a lot more meaningful career and yeah. that's important to me absolutely arnold arnold i'm like the white version of kurt hawkins because our mindsets are very similar you know we were both trained in the northeast but our our mindsets are very similar this is a good question I like to ask some of the guys who have a great mind in the business like you, uh, uh, maybe the prime of your career in WWE, who's your favorite producer to work with? Because for me, it was always Fit Finley. Because Fit Finley, I'm like, Fit, what do you want out of the match? Oh, just go and fight. You just go and fight. Someone like who I love, Mike Rotunda, but I, he would always find me and he wants to know every part of the match, you know? So it would be nerve-wracking mm -hmm. for me because yeah, like, yeah. I don't know a lot of the pieces going on. You know, I would have to rely on Hawkins. If we're in a match, Hawkins got this same thing like uh, Tyson Kidd, you know. Uh, yeah. But who, who are your favorite producers? So when I first started Fit, I, I, whew, Matt and I wrestled Fit like every night, like pretty much like for the whole, that whole edge run, we'd, we'd be live events, it'd be Fit and like a partner against us. And that's like where I think like a lot of my learning really came from is like, because Fit can tell you one thing, but to be in there and feel him physically do it. Yes, yes. A whole other animal. And, like, he really shaped both our careers in that sense, like, you know, of making us, like, you know, the workers that we became. So, and he and he was the one back then, like, obviously, like, verbalizing that information, too. But now we're going out there and physically doing it. So, yeah. just by default, in that sense, and that learning experience, he was my favorite back then. I grew to really love working with Jamie Noble because, like, yes, God, I don't think he can – read or write but he could put together <laughs> yeah. you're right like, it, it, he's just gifted man like he just can he can put together a pay-per-view epic banger like you know and he just has these like incredible yes. ideas and yeah. outside the box things that will get you your, your wheel spinning a little bit more like that was always his um hit the, the the flavor he'd bring to the table that i just thought i just love to pick his brain and stuff like that you know if you, it, i literally could go to him with a match and I'm like this is too boring and he can like Help yeah. you spice it up it's pretty cool and then on the telltale end my favorite to be honest with you was abyss and oh, simply because yeah. not because he's a genius he's great at his job and he's a very good producer but his he was a positive motivator mm. you know what i mean just that positive reinforcement he's just so like you know i mean fred can literally attest this sometimes it's just like barely a, a wave thanks for like you know yeah being, being in a pro wrestling match is the equivalent of being in a car accident you know, so like, <laughs> yeah. But someone barely acknowledge your uh, performance after is kind of ignorant. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, uh, we, we had uh, a TJ uh, on the podcast last week and I was posting about it this week and, and, and I got real emotional, like, you know, I'm a grown man, but I got emotional when he talked about like the, res um, the respect of his peers and like being able to be in the ring with someone. And then after that experience, them looking at him differently, like, man, this, is, this guy's a real deal. And I experienced that last year with Sean Spears. I was on a show with him in uh, Phoenix. And uh, when he came back from the curtain, he said, man, I needed that. And, and it was those words that meant the world to me because like the fans, the fans are great, but nothing like the respect of your peers, man. And we're guys that have had different paths in our career, you know, we never main evented anything, but we truly love the business. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, that uh, to me, literally, you could have a Twitter feed full of my fans telling me I'm the absolute shits and the worst wrestler ever. But if the boys in the back love me and everyone wants to work with me, then that's all that really matters, you know, because th at the end of the day, like, like you said, we're putting each other's livelihood in each other's hands, you know, so that trust and, you know, that kind of thing is pretty damn important you know it's the be all end all i think in the business so uh like you said it, it it does mean a lot yeah you know earlier you said that when you were with wwe you were working short matches in main event and you know the thing the stuff that was getting you through was um doing the podcast and things like that and it was so refreshing to see your impact debut because like i yes. it was really cool because right off the bat you cut a promo um to the world champion and you had a world championship match and it it was refreshing to see you wrestle for as long as I did in that match because it has been a while since you wrestled, I think like past like five minutes and like you did such an amazing job. And I think you got to showcase a little taste of what Brian Myers is all about and what's what's more to come. How did, how did that feel for you, man? It was great. I mean, that's all I've ever really, you know, wanted was an opportunity. I think, you know, in WWE, uh, a decent amount of time ago, Vince just labeled me like a good hand, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not a good thing hell either. No. You know? hell he no, knew, hell no. no, but he knew like, and it literally became a thing. Like if, if someone was up from NXT to do a dark match, he'd say, well, put him with Hawkins. He's a good hand. Like, cause he wants to see this person in their best form of themselves. And he picked me to do that because he knew I could get the best effort out of this guy. So that, that that's flattering in a way, but he's not seeing me as like, man, Hawkins can, can take out Roman Reigns one day, you know, he's not seeing him, so that's the flip side, that's the problem, so yes. he, like obviously he liked me and respected me, but didn't see me as this this star, so now that I'm getting this chance, you know, with a whole new set of eyes on me to show like, you know, what I can do, it's just awesome, it's, it's all I've ever wanted to do, so even right off the bat, I got, I got cool vignettes that I uh, helped kind of, um, you know, shape and, and design and kind of discuss, you know, like, it wasn't like, this is what we're doing. It was like, well, this is what we're thinking. What do you want to do? Which is a whole new world yes. from coming from WWE. It's great. You know, this, this, this thing called compromise. What, what a, what a thought, you know, <laughs> like, it's so cool that, like, you know, we can collaborate and compromise and come up with things. And like, so there's that. Then my first match is, you know, two segs of the world champion, you know, going balls to the wall. Yeah. Incredible. Like all I've ever asked for. And then even this week, my last thing is a, basically a shoot promo I got to do is one take going nuts and, you know, wow. showing the world that I can perform on that side, you know, the microphone side. So yeah. already in, in, you know, two, two outings, I'm already doing <laughs> a lot more meaningful stuff than I was doing in years in WWE. So, um, and it's not, it's not there. It's not their fault. It's not my fault. It's just, it's just a different situation and I'm sure. happy to be in. Do you think the cane is going to come back this time around? So I would, the cane stemmed from just me being a huge Brian Pillman fan. And mm -hmm. I always loved when he debuted in ECW and the, the lights went out and they came back on. He had the cane in the air. I just thought it was so badass. And then uh, Freddie and I were actually on that, that like the deathbed of NXT where like Tom Castiello was writing it and we could kind of do yes. whatever we wanted. We kind of yes. could do whatever we wanted because nobody cared or watched or anything. Yes. Except the few people that watched it like online and stuff. So I was like, hey, I want to start coming out with a cane. And, like he let me do that. and. It was some kind of, I don't even remember who, somebody hurt my leg and I had a cane and I just kept it. And then they, you know, I just thought it was cool. And I wanted to be, I was trying to find an identity in WWE where it's like, you know, everyone had something. And I was like, I was just like generic white guy. I'm like, at least I remember as the guy that had the cane, you know? 
So I was like, that, that was the only idea behind it. And then I, I wound up just like love having it. I thought there was like a swagger to it of having it. And I had it forever. And then last year when they put uh, Zach and I back together, whatever was said in the production meeting, when it was finally a done deal, Vince said, no more Kane. He said, no more woo-woo. And he said, he, he said, he wanted, yeah, no, no more fist pump. And he just wanted us to, uh, I think his words would be taken more seriously. So it, I, the cane ran its course and uh, I'll, I'll be forever, uh, I'll have fond memories of the cane. Yeah. But I, I also refer to it as the rib that keeps on ribbon because I did it to myself because traveling around the world with that was a complete nightmare. So I don't think I'm going to be quick to, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be quick to bring it back anytime soon. <laughs> Do um do you have like a dream match or have you had your dream match already in your career or is there someone that like you haven't been um, in the ring with? Yeah. Man, that's a, that's a good question. Right now, I don't know who. I oddly enough, I did some interview where I said I was pissed my last indie run that I didn't get to wrestle Shane Douglas and a promoter. Oh yes, a promoter had heard heard it and like the, the week I was fired, he goes, "I know you want to wrestle Shane Douglas. I'll make it happen." And he kept to his word, and I am wrestling him in like two weeks in uh, West wow. Virginia. So that's right. Uh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Saturday, yeah, September fifth. It's uh, ASW. It's a drive-in, so it's COVID friendly. Uh, but I'll get to wrestle Shane. I don't think it's going to be a uh, five-star classic or anything, but it's going to be a huge bucket list accomplishment for me being such a ECW fanboy I don't know out there now I mean I, there's people on TV that I really dig like I dig Darby Allen I think yes yeah going on yeah and I think with our size comparison there'd be a cool you know a different you know there's not often that I've in my career especially in WWE been like the big man in a match yeah. you know it'd be a cool situation cool uh I got a uh, match this weekend with Joey Janela I've never wrestled him yeah um that's looking forward to that. So, and you mentioned uh, Brian Pillman earlier, but you have a upcoming three three match against his son and Heath, right? Yes, and for Wrestle Pro, be me versus yes. Heath versus Brian yes. Pillman Jr. as well. So yeah, that's very interesting. Awesome, yeah. So that 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 part of being uh, your own boss is cool too. You never know. Like I would, I could last time I was fired, you know, show up and you know wrestle whatever a guy had been wwe for years and it's kind of like a letdown and i could show up and not really even know who i was working with and be like wow how does no one not know about this guy he's awesome you know like there's little there's little give and takes to it um that i enjoy i also like man you know i like kind of now that actually that i'm on impact and i'm establishing myself as a heel because i think when promoters book me i can be like well i'm gonna be a heel then I wasn't on TV, so I literally had to be prepared for anything like heel, baby, this, that, tag, multi-man <laughs> thing. Like I was like a jack of all trades, which kept me on my toes and kept me real sharp. But uh, yeah. I also like sinking my teeth into this character that I'm, you know, the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to quickly go back to um, your WWE days real quick, because as a fan, like, I think it was really cool that you got, you got to have that payoff. Because sometimes when storylines happen, it gets builded up. It just gets forgotten or just gets lost in the shuffle. But with your streak, there was actually an ending to that, which was awesome. And it was the biggest payoff that I feel like could have happened because it all came crashing down at WrestleMania in front of your whole family. So how did that yeah. how did that feel for you when that happened? Uh, it's surreal. But I mean, it's gonna be hard to I mean, hopefully, you know, my career keeps going here, but uh it's gonna be hard to have a a, a meaningful truly meaningful moment moment like that i think ever again i mean hopefully there will but the the way the stars aligned for that were just so surreal and unbelievable you know just almost i, I tried when i was in the midst of the streak i wouldn't even think about how it would end because i didn't want to drive myself crazy it just it yes. wouldn't be any fun you know yeah um i was having more fun just showing up to work being like knowing that i was losing and doing the best of my abilities to make whoever i was working with look awesome you know like okay yes. cool it took a lot of that out of the out of the job, which is a big part. Like, oh, maybe you know, you, you never know. You show up TV, like, oh, today, maybe today's the day. I'm gonna big push, or they got some for me. You know, you never know. But I wasn't even thinking like that. I'm just like, no, I'm the street guy. This is kind of fun, and I knew it was building. I knew the more I did it, the more people would care. You know, it got to the point where like on live events, and I was still a heel. People were just cheering for me because it was so fun to just be a part of, and I was really enjoying that. Yeah. Um, but the the payoff and the blow off was just, I mean, I'll just, for, I mean, forever be uh grateful for that and just look back on like how how surreal that was just how it all how literally all the stars aligned like for that you know to happen yeah because even mean, less than 10 days before that 
I thought I was just going to be another body in the Andre the Giant and <laughs> not even, you know, be, be a meaningful part of that, like, whatsoever, you know, just be in there, you know? Yeah. So, pretty cool. I mean, bro, like, moments like that, you got to, and, and you deserved it, you know, you got to kick and scratch and claw at those moments, man. And, you know, um, I don't want to lose my train of thought, but you talked about Shane Douglas. Uh, why do you like Shane Douglas so much? Because he was also a personal favorite of mine because I remember uh, recently I was on a convention with him and I, I was in this little van riding over with him. And I was just staring at him because yeah, I, was yeah, just, yeah. I, I was just so, I mean, this guy was a badass. Like as a kid in elementary school, I don't know why I was so mesmerized by him. Like every word he said, you know, I didn't know anything about promos or anything, but I always listened to what he said and I would always cut wrestling promos like him. Even on the independence, that's where the bone crusher came from. I would always make my voice sound deep to sound like him, to sound mm -hmm. more masculine, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just so funny. Why did you like him so much? So I think the same along the lines as what you're saying, like as a kid, it's the promo. Uh, and the look, you know, he's jacked, yes. long hair, yes. the tassels, got the cool girl with him, you know, like there's that. And then I think as I got older and more involved in the business, I realized there's also the, the aspect of that he's on these shows. You know, the first, if there's nine matches, the first eight have tables and chairs and blood and guts and barbed wire, yes. who knows? But then he would come out in the last match, in the ninth match, defend the World Heavyweight Championship in a wrestling match, you know what I mean? Yes. And still have everyone's, you know, uh, capture everyone's attention just like all the other ones did, you know? So there's something very commendable about that, you know, being able to follow a show that like ECW was putting on and be represent the company as the champion every, you know, night in, night out, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, uh, put his money where his mouth is really, you know, he was the franchise. And, and like when I first started wrestling, I would always wear my knee pads low because yeah, people yeah. would ask me like, oh, why do you wear them low? Oh, uh, because I want to be like Shane Douglas, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just a huge fan of him. I, I didn't know that you were such a big fan of him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. He just, he just, I don't know. The franchise was the real, you know, he really was the franchise. It wasn't just a moniker that he just was trying to get over. Like he, he proved it every night. So that's what I think I've always ultimately uh, respected about him. And speaking of monikers, you have a new one now, the most professional wrestler. I think that's a, that's a great one because no one has ever said that before. How did that come about? Was that something that you, you thought of yourself? Yeah, honestly, it was like kind of an accident. Uh, my, one of my best friends, Luke Gallows, is always, uh, he, Fred could attest, he's, the, uh, he's about as carny as they come. He's, he's got his hands yeah. in everything at all times if there's money to be made in pro wrestling he's trying to figure something out so he yes. he literally like uh the week my daughter was born asked me to just cut this promo so he could show like these sponsors or something so for some deal he's trying <laughs> to cut so i went to my school and i cut this promo which was basically pretty much a generic promo but the last line i said was i'm the most professional wrestler like and i was like whoa just like a light bulb went off i was like there's something to that and i just was making shit up to be honest with you and then, sure enough, I, uh, I, I, told, I brought it to Impact and showed them that, and everyone loved it. And, like, basically the point where they were like, well, you're still the Prince of Queens, but let's, <laughs> let's go with this. And I was like, I, I, I see the vision. You know, I do think it, there's something there. So I'm all on board, too. That's awesome. Well, I mean, well, Hawkins, I'm just so happy for your success. I mean, we all started from the bottom, but we're still making moves. And um, thank you for being on the podcast. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to hit you with 21 totally random questions. Oh, uh, I, you know, I've had Zach do it. Uh, Tyson did it. Um, so oh, you, man. are you down to play? Mm -hmm. You know, time is money, you know. So I know you have two beautiful daughters you got to take to. So... Yeah, let's, uh, this, is, this is my my Zen period, bro. Okay, I hope I hope we're not too loud. No, nah, no, nah, we're downstairs. Let's do it. Okay, okay. Um, what's your favorite thing in your closet right now? My entire uh, ECW action figure collection autographed by every single one, by every single guy. Uh, I don't think anyone else has that in the whole world. I'm I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> uh, when things break, do you prefer to fix it or replace it? Uh, attempt to fix first, then then replace. Broski, straight up replace. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Uh, what job? What job would you be absolutely horrible at? Uh, like any kind of tech support, as you can see, 
before we started this podcast. I don't, I'm literally a caveman. I know nothing. I don't care to know about how technology works. Yeah. Bro, you could have had me fooled because I thought you and Ryder are like top notch. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't play video games. I like literally can't do anything. I can barely stream like wrestling matches that I'm trying to watch. Oh, wait, he did say that you just show up and just do the uh, podcast. He takes care of all the technical stuff. He did yeah, say that. Him and our producer, man, I just, I, I don't even know how to make <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, okay, number four. When was the last time you vomited and why? Uh, when we had that little uh, hiccup in Saudi and we were kind of delayed. <laughs> we, were, we were delayed for several hours and days. Uh, what we were hell? all so excited to be in the air that the, the when the party started, it was pretty serious. Oh, God. And uh, when we landed at, at JFK, I, I had it out a little bit there. Yeah. Oh, God. That is too funny. Yeah. Oh, what's the most disturbing thing you've ever witnessed? Uh, Max McGurk matches at FCW. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about my friend, okay? <laughs> don't don't uh, talk about my friend, okay? First, oh, no, I, I said that one just know, for you. I was closeted, so I always liked him. Like, oh, man, he's such a handsome guy, but he's, he, he was like a brother. And he wouldn't take it seriously, the wrestling, because he was hanging out with uh, the, um, what are they called? The... Um, combo twins you know and then his, oh god yeah and then he just went downhill i was very upset when he got released <laughs> i was very upset bro. I, took it, I took it personal because like as a All friend right. of i'm Storm sorry Storm, Freddie. i'm sorry i just i yeah. figured that would pop you this is funny bro uh if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds what would you say uh watch my promo from impact last night <laughs> yes, yes uh what's your biggest pet peeve pet peeve uh Constant negativity. It's okay to be negative yes. some, sometimes, but constant negativity. Yeah. You got to uh, cut those people out of your life. <laughs> yes. What's the worst thing you've ever been caught doing? Uh, that night, me and Rex were strippers for one night on Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> we don't have enough time to tell that story yet, but yeah. One night only. <sighs> okay. What, what is one thing you would refuse to share i don't know interesting you refuse to share uh, my my wrestling figure collection that's yeah. mine yeah uh, what's your favorite swear word shit i don't even does it even count anymore yeah of course i don't know chris jericho says it once a week on aw i don't know <laughs> what is one food you would never give up Ooh, peanut butter would be tough bro Bro, we must be like, we must be like brothers because I cannot live without peanut butter. I go through oh, like three good. jars, three jars a week, man. My wife just said we go, we, we just bought it today. Another massive thing of Skippy Natural. She's like, how do we just, I'm like, me, my daughter <laughs> loves it too. So I'm like. <laughs> Bro, I reach out to social media accounts that have like peanut butter and I say, uh, you know, are you looking for paid athlete ambassadors? And uh, this one company, Nunso, compensates me for shouting them out, man. But I, I love them, man. I'm so brand loyal to Skippy Natural. I've literally <laughs> Ryback introduced me to it in Tampa and FCW, and I have not strayed from it for 10 plus years. Uh, I want the free stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, um, if you could have three people over, dead or alive, over for dinner, who would it be? Ooh. That's number 12. Okay, let's go with Chris Candido, Bam Bam Bigelow, oh, and Shane Douglas. Wow. Oh, Chris, <laughs> Chris Candido, are you kidding me? Yes. Chris Candido, he said uh, to me, the, the piece of advice that I always got from him, he was like, unless you're making six figures in an organization, no one should tell you that you need to be exclusive somewhere. Like where I started IWF, you know, like yeah. my trainer, my trainer was telling me to stay at IWF, stay, stay at IWF, don't go to NYWC, don't the go to school. chaotic wrestling. That's the old school thought. Yeah. They're not thinking about you, they're yeah. just thinking about, you know, lining their pockets. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Chris Candido gave me that advice, man. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, okay. So you said Chris Candido, who else? Bam Bam Bigelow and Shane Douglas. So it's the whole triple threat. Oh, God, man. Okay, 13. What's the worst backhanded compliment you've, ne you've ever been given? Put him with Hawkins. He's a good hand. 
<laughs> oh, man, good man. What what famous historical figure would you like to fight? Ooh, <laughs> that's a crazy one. I don't know why I threw that in there. I don't know. That's different. Hmm. I think that requires a lot of thinking. Let's skip that one. Okay. Uh, who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, at one point, really bad Lindsay Lohan. I love Lindsay Lohan. Like original, not cracked out Lindsay Lohan, obviously. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say Kelly Kapowski. Well, that, I mean, if we want to go wrestling route, then there's Francine. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the pink, um, the pink, the pink Power Ranger. Kimberly. Oh. Yeah, Kimberly. When I was a kid, that was a big one for me. Uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, okay. What's number 16? What's something you've tried that you'll never try again? Hmm. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try again. I don't know. I haven't sworn anything off like that. Yeah. Skip? Yeah, skip, I guess. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of something that I've. And I got, I got nothing. What was your first job? Uh, my only job I've ever had besides being a wrestler is being a caddy. Mm. Ah. Of course, my whole, my brother did it growing up. My dad caddied there growing up. My whole family did it. And to this day, the experience makes me, I despise golf. Like I want nothing to do with golf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your favorite TV show? Salute Your Shorts. Oh, I love that show. Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Is there a personality trait you can't stand? Personality trait I can't stand? Yes. Isn't that, didn't we ask that already? I said neg being negative? Uh, did I ask that on? I don't remember. It was, yeah. Maybe it was worded different. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's worded different. Um, <laughs> all right. um, number 20, best gift ever received? My two daughters. Aww. Yes, yes, yes. And last but not least, toilet paper over or under? So uh, I never cared about this and my wife and I go back and forth about it she likes it over I just throw it on like whatever it's in my hand you know like it doesn't matter but now I'm just I'm trying to be more conscious of her preference so I if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not in a rush or thinking about it, I do the over so it doesn't come from underneath yeah you're not baby white psych writer and I okay so I am okay first off straight baby wipes I do toilet paper and finish with a baby wipe Yes, yes, for probably yes. fifteen plus years, and like it's almost like a if I'm like on the road and I'm running out of baby wipes, it's a huge dilemma. Like I have to like, like I won't even like for peace of mind, I have to be like we'll we'll, we'll have to stop at Target or the day's over. I don't know what you, I don't know what to tell you. That's bro, that's a perfect way to wrap up, man. I really <laughs> appreciate. I, I, honestly, I really appreciate you. And these twenty-one questions were very funny, man. You are just something else, but thank you for being a Thanks, part man. of the podcast, Thanks, man. Sharing good, the story. Man. I miss you. You're you're a trailblazer, baby. You really uh, you made a big difference in, in wrestling and especially WWE and the way they they treat the performers and look at all of us. So I'll uh, be forever uh, in debt to you and appreciative of what you've done, man. Yeah, hopefully 2021 we can share the ring, man. Hell yeah. And I appreciate um, you know having you in our podcast. I'm a big fan of yours, man. So getting to talk to you for an hour has been really cool. And I'm looking forward to hear like seeing all your stuff in Impact coming up, man. Thanks, man. So, I mean, yeah. well, there is uh, like I said, like nine weeks of television. <laughs> <in the> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's already done. It's gonna happen. Well, I appreciate it, Brian. All right, guys, take care. Thank you. All right, that was a great interview with Brian Myers, man. Yeah, episode 58 is in the can uh, today was a productive day again i had so many superstars uh to uh deal with him being a guest and then earlier i did the back to school uh you know virtual with some of my close close friends in the wrestling business so uh yeah very productive day you know now it's going to be time to eat in a little bit if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that interview could have gone in so many different directions man from action figures to a school to you know obviously wrestling and everything he's you know he has his hands in a lot of things so he's a, he's a multi-talented guy so it's really cool to talk to him um but yeah man so there's it's SummerSlam week can you believe that yeah it's SummerSlam week and it's so funny another wrestler that I didn't even mention Mark Henry he reached out to me and said hey man I, I want you to be a part of my SummerSlam uh party or some something I guess they're doing so I 
So I'm texting him. So, you know, granted, like I asked him about that event that I told you about. <laughs> Wait, which, which that, event? No, um, the event that I had asked your wife. Oh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I had asked him the same thing that uh -huh. I asked uh, uh, Hart. I asked him, uh -huh. and he didn't. Re and and Mark Mark Henry didn't respond. Then he just responded to me, asking, "Hey, man, can you be a part of my party?" <laughs> sure, Mark. When you know? Oh, it's gonna be Sunday. All right, no problem. Oh, that's. Uh, <laughs> I love Mark, and I always say I can talk shit about Mark because uh, I just can because I rode his big ass around for almost five years. Yeah, you earn it, man. But what about SummerSlam? The only match I'm looking forward to is uh, Dominic and Seth. That's the only match that I really know of. That's the only match I'm really invested in. Dominic was on the WWE's The Bump this morning, and I oh, saw. Really? Yeah, he was on The Bump this morning, uh, seven seven oh five uh, West Coast time, something like that. But uh, oh. yeah, I'm excited for that match. You know, uh, I'm sure they're gonna kill it and tell a beautiful story. Yeah, like uh, same as you, man. I think that's the only match I'm really invested in because oh, and I, oh, and I'm always invested in Randy and uh, Drew. Yeah, yeah, but you know, with Dom, it's so crazy how a lot of people are mad because this really happens when someone's first match ever in the ring is at the second um, biggest show of the year in WWE SummerSlam, and you know, a lot of people are mad that you know they feel like Dom hasn't paid his dues and everything, but... Oh, please. Yeah, keep going. I'm listening. But, I no, I feel I feel the same way as you, man. Like, I'm not one to, like, piss on, like, anyone's success or happiness. Like, if something like that happens to them, like, man, like, like I'm happy for them. Like, I feel like if that opportunity was in other wrestlers, like, way, like, they'll take it just like Dom would take it, you know? And I... I Dom has been in this business his whole life, man. If you want to talk about like his first Summerset Slam appearance, he was like a little kid when like Rey Mysterio had that storyline fighting custody for Dom against Eddie Guerrero. And Dom has been an entertainer since day one because even as like, I don't know how old he was at the time, maybe like 10 or 11, he played the part. Like he was worried, he was sad. It looked like he was scared of Eddie when Eddie would approach him and say, like, oh, like, I'm your poppy and all that. Like, his face, like, as a 10-year-old kid to grasp that you're entertaining and you're playing a role and Eddie's the villain, for him to grasp that and not look nervous, like, I feel like he was born to do this, man. Yeah, he's paid his dues, you know. This is sports entertainment. We're in the entertainment business, you know. We're in the television business. So it's storytelling one-on-one -on -one at his best. So... Who gives a shit about experience? You know, he's getting that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm getting my I'm getting my experiences in different ways. I, I I've been to WWE. Now, you know, eventually, you know, announcements will be made about other things I'm doing uh, coming up very soon. Uh, so, like, we take different paths in our lives, and it's a beautiful story that's being told. You know, so for someone, oh, he hasn't paid his dues. Well, he's going to pay his dues after he whoops on Seth Rollins. Yeah, man. And man, he, he paid his dues with the candlesticks. Damn. Like all the bruises that he got on his chest and his back. That's that's brutal. But that is a match that I'm super looking forward to. Oh, but also, did you hear that um, on Friday, they're going to try out this whole like fan virtual experience thing, the Thunderdome? Did you hear about that? Yeah, I saw that they're going to be moving the shows from the Performance Center to the Amway. So how's it going to be? I have no idea, but apparently they've already been doing this for certain sport events, but I haven't seen it. And I don't oh, know what is, it look like. is it is it like the bet? Because I've seen like the NBA, like they have the the, the screen in the background, and like you, and they have different screens with people on it, so you can be probably featured on a show. It. Yeah, because I haven't seen um, that personally, but that's what they're gonna do, and they're gonna test run it on SmackDown this Friday. But apparently fans have to, like, register to be a part of that. So, you know, to save their spot. Yeah, so it's almost like, because when you look at it on the NBA, it, it looks like that there are fans, but it's almost, but it's like a hundred screens, you know what I mean? Wow. So it, it, they get something with, like, a bunch of screens to fill up that area where, where the audience is normally, you know? I don't know. It is what it is. It's the new norm. I have to look at it, man. I don't know how that's going to look. That's, that's intriguing to me. But 
It is what it is, yeah, baby. They're making it work, man. So I'm yeah. still super excited. It's still SummerSlam. I hope there's gonna be a few surprises that they're like you know that they're gonna pull off. Like uh, last year when we watched it together, Edge was a surprise, and he speared um, Elias. That was pretty cool. So. Who's to you know? Who's to say what WWE has under its sleeves this time around, man? We'll we'll, we'll see. Well, ten years will be official that the Nexus lost to Team WWE. Ten year anniversary here and gone. So, uh, ten years flies by, but I'm like wine, baby. I age gracefully with time, so don't count me out. And you haven't seen the last of Mister No Days Off. I can assure that. Absolutely, man. And I think that's a great place to wrap it up. This has been such a fun episode. Great interview with Brian Myers. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you guys give us a five-star review, like what you hear. And also, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and give us a thumbs up and leave a comment and let me know what we can do better. And until then... Episode 58's in the can, baby. Block the hate. Salute the great Arnold Telegarta.